You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, We are going through the Bible verse by verse. If you're new with us, we're studying the Bible verse by verse. Uh, We're in a series on Genesis titled uh, Genesis in the Beginning God. And we're all the way up to chapter 12 today. Today we begin a brand new section of scripture. We're looking at the Abrahamic covenant. This will be part one of the Abrahamic covenant. And uh, part two is not going to come next week. It'll come a few weeks down the road when we get to the next part on the Abrahamic covenant. But we're going to be looking at this life of Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant uh, over the the next few weeks. And uh, a fascinating, fascinating study. Uh, By the way, what does the word covenant mean? Promise, that's good. It's even stronger than that. What else does it mean? A contract? It's even stronger than a promise, even stronger than a contract. It's a... A contract, an agreement, a promise that cannot even be broken by death. It is a promise from God that is forever, eternal, unchangeable, unmovable, unshakable. It is a covenant. And today we are looking at the Abrahamic covenant, uh, a powerful covenant. And understanding it will really help us learn a lot about God. And we're going to see in the weeks to come, it'll help us understand even in times of events. So it's super important that we understand this covenant. Uh, As we jump in, I want to look at some things. I want you to consider some things. The Bible tells us that before God created the universe... Our salvation was planned out in advance by God the Father, by God the Son, and by God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, planned out our salvation before the universe was even created. That's amazing to consider. That before the earth was created, God saw all of our sin. Our sin corporately as a human race, and also our sin individually as individuals. He saw all of our sin, and he still planned creation and and our coming into existence. And he planned our redemption from the beginning of time. Uh, The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was the lamb that was slain, what? If you know the verse, before the foundation of the world. Uh, before the foundation of the cosmos. Uh, uh, That's in Revelation, that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the cosmos. Imagine that. You say, well, wait a minute. He wasn't slain. No, no, no. That doesn't mean he went to the cross before the foundation of the cosmos. But the plan of salvation of him going to the cross was all planned out before the universe was even created. As amazing as that is, Uh, The Bible tells us uh, equally amazing, not only was global salvation planned before the the cosmos was made, but our individual salvation was planned out before the creation of time. Crazy. 
That God is that sovereign, that intimate, that your salvation was planned before the beginning of time. Uh, here's the verse that shows that. It's Ephesians chapter 1. Let me hear you read this as one unified voice. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In the heavenly realm, God has already blessed us and already prepared us every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. That requires some thought. That's worthy of some meditation. Let's go on. The rest of the verse. He, God, chose us in him, that's Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. This is amazing that not only did God plan our salvation corporately as the human race, but also individually our salvation was predetermined by God before the beginning of time. You know what that means? That means that our sin and our weaknesses and our failures and our ugliness are of no surprise to God. He knew it. And he still chose to redeem us. That is amazing love. I know sometimes when you have a loved one, you see him get pretty ugly. You're like, I don't want to be around you, you know. And, and you go get a sandwich, right? I mean, God, said, God saw that ugliness and you know what he said? I still want you. And I want to redeem you. And I want to bring you, and notice what he says. He says that we should be holy and without blame. I want to wash you of all of that and make you righteous. Uh, an amazing plan of salvation. It is awesome. Uh, before time began, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit saw our sin and the high price of our redemption, and he said, it's worth it to me. And Jesus still chose to redeem us. And today what we're going to look at in this Abrahamic covenant is God's sovereign plan of redemption being further revealed to us. This plan that he made from the beginning of time being further revealed to us through this covenant that we call the Abrahamic covenant. We're going to see God's plan of salvation more, more fully coming into existence. And uh, it's awesome to consider. Over the next several weeks... We're going to be looking at this man, Abraham's life, this man that we're introduced to today in Genesis 12. His name's Abram. By the way, I'll probably call him Abraham a million times. God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, and we'll look at that when the time comes. But if I use the wrong name, we're talking about the same guy, Abram, Abraham, right? Um, and God, uh, we're going to be looking at his life over the, the next several weeks. God has devoted... A lot of material to this man, Abraham. 15 chapters in the book of Genesis to this man, Abraham. God only devoted two chapters to the creation of the universe. 15 chapters on the life of Abraham. Why? Because the life of Abraham shows us what it means to be in a relationship with our God. And how we walk in a relationship with God by faith. And so we're going to be looking at this relationship, uh, this man Abraham, and learn his relationship with God. And in doing so, you know what we'll learn? We will learn what real spirituality is. What a real genuine walk with faith is. 
and what spirituality isn't and what faith isn't. And we're going to learn that faith in a relationship with God is not an emotional experience. Faith in a relationship with God is not signs and wonders. Faith in a relationship with God is not a prosperity, problem-free life. No, that is not a real relationship with God. We are going to learn that a real relationship with God is a daily walk, learning God's ways, and walking in fellowship with him, making him the Lord of our life, or the authority of our life, or the boss of our life, or the one who... uh, Uh, gives instruction on how to live life and we obey. Learning how to do life together with God. That's what we're going to learn through the life of Abraham. And uh, as we look at his life, we're going to see Abraham's strengths and we're also going to see his weaknesses. We're going to see where he walks well in faith and we're going to see where he stumbles and bumbles in faith. And I am so glad, aren't you? I am so glad because uh, I can relate to the stumbles really well. I find that there's this God that I am in awe of and I want to walk with him, but I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And I'm amazed how I can stumble and bumble. And here we see that uh, this was true of all of God's men that he used. And and that's part of uh, learning how to walk with God. Um, We'll discover how gracious God is when we fall. And we will learn that even when we fall, God still uses it and he picks us up and he brings us uh, back on the right path. And uh, we'll learn uh, just how patient God is with us when we stumble and how to learn how to walk on this, this walk with, uh, with our creator, a holy God. Just an, an amazing privilege to ponder. So before we jump into the text, I want to give you one point to start us off. Abraham, uh, we're going to learn, was not a righteous man. Abraham, Abram, excuse me, we're going to learn, was a pagan. And the first point that I want to bring to our attention is that God calls pagan, sinful men, women, to follow him and to walk with him. And to learn of his ways. And may that thrill our soul. uh, That uh, that God does so. Let's jump in. uh, Genesis chapter 12. If you're there give me a big amen. Amen. Um, Genesis chapter 12. This is the Abrahamic covenant we're going to look at. Now the Lord had said. I want you to circle the words had said. The Lord had said, underline them, double circle them. I want you to know this is past tense. This is previously. This means before what we're reading right now, God had already told him something. Look what it says. The Lord had said previously to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. To a land that I will show you. I imagine when Abraham heard that, he said, okay, you want me to leave my family? You want me to leave my homeland? You want me to leave my job and everything? And you want me to go to a land that you're going to show me? Why don't you just show me now? Where is that land? 
What is that land? And here we learn something right out of the gate of what a walk with God looks like. God leads us one step at a time. Go to the land that I will show you. Well, how about show me now? No, just listen. I will show you. And here's what that's going to require. It's going to require you to be listening to me so I can show you. And already we see God wants an ongoing relationship, not a one-time relationship. I would so like it if God said, Dave, here's the 10-year plan for the church. I'll check back with you then. (laughs) No, instead God says, why don't you do this today and why don't you seek me in the morning and I'll tell you what to do tomorrow, right? Uh, Now, there is vision that he gives us for a longer period, but but the daily obedience is daily obedience. And, And here he says, hey, hey, leave everything and come to a place that I will show you. Uh, look at verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I imagine he hears that and says, a great nation? Are you kidding me? Uh, that seems lofty. How in the world are you going to do that? I will bless you and will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you, talk about lofty, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the Abrahamic covenant. And here, right out of the gate, we see a couple of things. We see that God calls a sinful pagan man to follow him. That's crazy. Uh, And secondly, we see that God's promises are so rich that they stagger our imagination. Can you imagine God promising such lofty promises as this? These things are incredible. They are far beyond anything that Abraham could have ever asked or hoped for. We often uh, ask God for certain things, and it's generally temporal, small Little things like, hey, Lord, can you help me make rent this month? Uh, That's pretty small compared to the things that God is promising here. These are big, lofty, eternal things. And here we see that God's promises are so rich that they stagger the imagination. Bigger than we can even ask or hope for. The Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or hope. I was kind of hoping that you'd help me get through traffic. And he's planning really big and lofty things. And you say, like what? Well, look at some of the amazing promises that we have in Jesus Christ. Promises like, I will save you from sin and from death. And from hell, if you simply confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And you say, how does that work? He says, well, why don't you just believe it and I'll show you the next step. That's a pretty big promise. Are you sure? Why don't you believe it and I'll show you the next step. And I remember when God brought me to that place and I believed it and he showed me the next step. He gives promises like he'll he'll cause us to be born again. 
that we're spiritually dead now and will actually be born again. Our spirit will become alive and be in fellowship with God's spirit and we'll be born again to new life in Jesus Christ. And you say, wow, how does that work? He says, hey, come and see. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life from death to life and that you might have life more abundantly. And I can tell you, I have watched God do that in my life. I'm amazed at how full and abundant life is in Jesus Christ. We have promises like the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the person of God dwelling inside of us. The Bible tells us that we were sealed in Jesus Christ until the day of our redemption. And that we have been given a earnest or a down payment or a measure of the Spirit living in us until the fullness when we're taken into the presence of God. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will send my Spirit to you and he will lead, guide, and direct you into all truth. We have a promise that the Holy Spirit will be leading, guiding, and directing our life. And I tell you what, I look at my life in the rearview mirror, I've been a Christian now about 34 years, uh, and I look back at my life and I see, oh my gosh, Lord, you have been leading me by your spirit every step of the way. I can't believe it. And this is the promises that we hold on to by faith. They're amazing. We have the promise of continued spiritual growth. That God is doing something in our life. He's actually building us into something. And he gives us this promise that count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And that uh, God is doing all of this work that you might be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. What's that? That God is working in your life, that these trials that you go through, that they're father-filtered, that they're God-ordained, and that God is allowing all of them on purpose to bring you to an intended end, to build character, and to, uh, to make you into the person that he is make, making you to be. And, and it is far bigger than you could ever imagine or hope. Even so much so that we have this promise of a new and glorious body in the resurrection that will be perfect and sinless and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ himself. Wow. I can't wait. Sign me up. What a promise that this sinful man that I am will be completely changed and I will no longer have a sin nature. Right now, God has given me a righteous nature, but it battles with my sin nature, and these two are at war with each other. The day is coming when that war will be over, and we will have a righteous body, not a sinful body. In other words, I won't try to love, I will be love. I won't try to be nice, I will be nice. I won't try to be generous. I will be generous. Uh, I will walk with God. I will have a body in the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the first fruits of our resurrected bodies. We will look like Jesus. We will act like Jesus. And check this out. We will receive rewards 
for what we have done in our relationship with Jesus here, giftings that will be bestowed upon us that we will use throughout all eternity to build God's kingdom in the ages to come, world without end. Oh my gosh, we are going to rule and reign with Christ in the new world, in the new universe that he creates. Oh my gosh, that's a little bigger than God, can you get me through traffic today? Right? These are big, huge promises that God makes with pagans. And his promises are so rich. And incredible to consider. Again, God calls a sinful pagan man to follow him. And he says, hey, come to me. I want you to know, Abraham was an idol-worshipping, polytheistic dude who grew up in a house of idol worshipers who were polytheistic. Polytheistic just means they believed in many gods. And you say, Dave, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us, Joshua 24, on your screens, let me hear you read this. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river, that's the Euphrates in old times, and what did they do? And they served other gods. Yeah, they were just going after other gods willy-nilly, living for the flesh, and God calls sinful pagans to follow him. This is who God is, and this is what God does. His name is Jesus, and he's incredible. And he says, hey, I want you to follow me. He, he doesn't call good people. Do you know why? Because there aren't any. There's only sinful pagans masquerading like good people. There's only selfish pigs masquerading as nice people. That's all there is. And God calls those selfish pigs... And he calls them to be born again, and they become the children of God. And it's glorious. Man, I love watching it. God calls liars. God calls cheaters. God calls drug addicts. God calls people who are abusing alcohol. God calls the sexually immoral. God calls those who are addicted to gambling. God calls homosexuals and lesbians and transgendered and any other letter in that thing. And he calls them all to repent of their sins and to come to him. You want to talk about pride month let's talk about pride month god is calling you to himself he calls sinners to himself to repent and to come to him as lord and to begin a brand new life this is what god does and there is not one sin that is out of god's reach he can reach everyone right where we are abraham was a total pagan and god says come to me i want you to follow me and notice this when jesus calls us he does three things number one first and foremost he calls him to calls us to himself come to me then he says leave your old life leave the land this pagan land that you're in Leave this old life that I'm calling you out of. The Bible calls that repentance. We don't do it first. We come to God first. 
and then we calls us to repentance. He empowers us to be able to repent of our sins. He grants us repentance as his children. Come to me, and then I will empower you to leave your old life. And then go to the land that I will show you. In other words, follow me each and every day. I want to do life with you. I want to take you somewhere. I've got a promised land for you. And it is rich and abundant. And this is what God is doing with Abraham. And I want you to know this is what he is doing with you and with me. This is what he does. Now, how many of us know... That when God calls pagan sinners to follow him, there's a bit of a learning curve. Right? There's a bit of a learning curve. We don't do it perfectly. We have to learn how to follow God. We have to learn how to grow. And as we're learning, we stumble. And we're going to see Abraham stumble today. We're going to see him trip up on this new journey in his walk with God. Verse 1 already reveals that there was a stumble. And God had said to Abraham, leave your land, leave your family, go to the land that I'm going to show you. And Abraham didn't do that well. This is chapter 12 is in past tense. Because it didn't happen right when God told Abraham. It was pretty clumsy, actually. Uh, Abraham stumbles on his journey. Verse 1 is telling us that God had spoken to Abraham years earlier. God had told him to leave the land he was in. And we're going to learn in just a minute. He was in the land called the Ur of the Chaldeans. Uh, I have a picture for you of the Ur of Chaldees. It's a, a map here. This is the Ur of the Chaldees. That star is where Abraham was. Uh, it was a pagan land. It was led by the king of Ur. His name was Ur-Namu. And it was a pagan land. There was a, uh, uh, a uh, um, ziggurat there in the Ur of Chaldees, right in the city of Ur where Abraham lived. It was a ziggurat, and it was there to worship the moon god. The moon god's name was Sin. Uh, interesting name for a moon god. Uh, or Nana, same god. Uh, and here is a picture of the king of Ur, Ur-Namu, worshiping the god Sin, or Nana. Uh, that's him on the left. And he's giving some kind of offering. And there's the, the priest of the, the moon god. And all of it involved pagan worship, which includes sexuality and all kinds of things that appealed to the flesh. Uh, this was Abraham's hometown. Uh, uh, this was the Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, that, put that um, ziggurat back up for me. Uh, this was the ziggurat that, that was there. I showed you this last week. This was there in Abraham's day. This was built around 21, 2200 BC. Abraham saw this. Isn't that amazing? And this was where Abraham lived. This was his stomping grounds. And for Abraham to begin a relationship with God, God calls Abraham, Abraham, get out of there. Get out of your old life. 
I don't care what your old life was, pornography, LGBTQ, alcohol, whatever. He says, hey, I want you to leave the old life and I want you to follow me. And here we see that Abraham, he doesn't leave perfectly. Well, how does he lead? Well, to under, leave, uh, to understand how it happened, we have to go back to chapter 11. So let's jump back to chapter 11. And we're going to pick it up in verse 26. Are you there? 1126? Put your finger on it and say a big amen. amen. I love that you're all there. Uh, and now that I messed you up with that, look at verse 10. <laughs> <laughs> And notice it says, this is the genealogy of Shem. Shem was one of Noah's sons, right? Uh, three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Those are the three sons that were on the ark. They get off the ark and they repopulate the earth. And here is the repopulation of the earth after they get off the ark. And this is the genealogy of Shem that, that Abram comes through. Shem's genealogy becomes important. The Bible follows it because this is going to be the genealogy that Jesus comes through. And so uh, verse 26, we're reading uh, Shem's genealogy. And we're going to see that Abraham is part of Shem's genealogy. Uh, verse 26, now Terah lived 70 years and he begot Abram. There's our guy. Nahor and Haran. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begot Lot. Haran is Abraham's brother. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land, the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans. That's that area there in southern Iraq, uh, uh, it's a pagan land. Uh, they've got a pagan king. They're building pagan ziggurats to the moon god. By the way, where did uh, King Ur, where did he get this idea to build a ziggurat to the moon god? Where did he get that idea? From Babel, right? God scatters them all over and he just brings the same stuff they did to Babel. He brings it to Ur, right? This is what's going on. And, and look what he says. Uh, He's there in the Ur of Chaldees, verse 29. Then Abraham and Nahor took wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Micah, the daughter of her father, excuse me, the daughter of Haran, the father of Micah. Uh, so in other words, that was Abraham's niece, a little uh, confusing there. Uh, and the father of Iska. But Sarai was barren and had no child. So here we're getting a little insight into Abraham and Sarah. And uh, interesting, by the way, Abram, his name means father, and he's married to Sarai, and they can't have kids. Um, interesting. And it's somewhere now here between verse 30 and 31 that God appears to Abram here in the land of the Ur of Chaldees, just like we read in, uh, 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 in uh, Acts there, uh, uh, in the Ur of Chaldees, God spoke to him there and appears to him. And he tells him to leave Ur and to go to the land that I will show you, right? The land of Canaan, right? And look what happens, verse 31. And Terah 
took his son, Abram, and his grandson, Lot. Uh, now Terah is taking care of his grandson because his, his son, Haran, died, right? Uh, so uh, Lot, Abraham's nephew, is there with them. Um, I lost my spot. Verse 31, let's start over. Terah took his son, Abram, and his grandson, Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, and his son, Abraham, his son Abraham's wife, and they, went out, and they went out with them from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. There's our instructions, right? Woohoo! We're leaving Ur to go to the land of Canaan. That's what God told them to do. And look what it says. And they came to Haran, and they dwelt there instead. What the heck? We see a couple of things here. God tells Abram to leave. And we know that uh, from archaeological digs, the Ur of the Chaldees was a very wealthy city. It was a very prominent city. The king had segregated everybody into two classes, free and slave. There was the uh, uh, laws in uh, the Ur of Chaldees, civil laws and a judicial system. Uh, it was an advanced civilization, uh, but they were pagan. And God calls Abraham to leave there, to go to the land of Canaan, and to leave his family. And what does Abraham do? Abraham takes his dad and takes Lot, and he leaves the Ur of Chaldees, and it says he goes where? Look at this. To go to the land of Canaan, and instead they come to the land of Haran, and they dwell there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah dies in Haran. Um, interesting. Uh, if you look at, uh, let's go back to where the, the map of Ur of Chaldees. There's, there's where the Ur of Chaldees is. Now let's look at Haran. Haran is up to the top, uh, all the way up, uh, you know, to the, the very northern part there. Um, it's in modern-day Turkey, and it's about 610 miles from the Ur of Chaldees to Haran. Uh, what's interesting is he was supposed to go to the promised land, right? And, and uh, here's where that is. Put that next slide on. There it is right there. Uh, there's the land of Canaan, and it's about the same distance. He's just going the wrong direction. And so we see Abraham beginning his walk in faith, but he's a little clumsy. Have you ever watched a toddler learn how to walk? My grandson, Owen, is, is right there right now. He's standing up on everything, right? And uh, he sits down, he's kind of wobbly, and he tries to turn, he's wobbly. That's how Abraham's walking right now on this walk of faith. On one hand, way to go, Abraham. You left your business, you left your homeland, you left everything, but you took dad with you, a little wobbly, and you, you took Lot with you, and you're going the wrong direction. Uh, but this is how we begin our walk in faith. We don't always do it, everything perfectly. And so he goes to Haran, uh, and look at verse 22. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah dies in Haran. Now jump down to ch chapter 12, verse 4, where we left off. So Abraham departed from Haran, 
just as the Lord had spoken to him. He knew that wasn't the right place, right? And Lot went with him, still not doing it perfectly. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Um, by the way, kind of interesting. Abram's father, his name is what? Terah. And Abraham doesn't leave to go to Canaan, the promised land, until Terah dies. Do you know what Terah's name means in Hebrew? It means delay. Delay. And because he didn't do what God told him to do to leave his family, his dad delays God's plan for Abram's life. And because he's living in sin, God's plan for Abraham's life is delayed by his sin. Um, interesting to ponder and to consider. Uh, verse 5, 12-5. Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. Uh, that's still a problem there. Um, <clears throat> and all their possessions that they had gathered. Wow, that's interesting. And all the people they had gathered in Haran. What did we just learn right there? What happened when Abraham was in Haran? He got richer. God blessed him. Even though he was in the wrong place, God was pouring out his blessing on him. He grew in wealth and he grew in the number of employees he had in his company. He grew in stature even when he was in the wrong place. And you say, why? Here's why. Because God blesses us, not because we're good, but because... God is good. If God only blessed me when I was good, I would not be very blessed. But God blesses me when I'm trying to learn how to walk in faith with him, even when I'm not doing it perfectly, God's blessings still flow. God wants to do a work in Abraham's life, Abram's life, excuse me, and God is blessing him. Uh, let's go on. Uh, so he acquired all these things in Haran, and he departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Everybody say, Yahoo! Yahoo! That's another pretty long journey. Bring that map back up there. They go from uh, Haran all the way up to the north, and now they come all the way back down along the coast uh, to, the, to the, the, what will be the promised land, uh, the land of Haran. Uh, Canaan, and they make it. Uh, verse 6, and Abraham passed through. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the timbereth tree of Marah. Shechem, by the way, just so you know where this is, is about 25 miles north of Jerusalem. So we're getting to the right spot, modern-day Jerusalem. Um, uh, so, uh, and the Canaanites were there in the land. Uh, this is interesting. Underline the words, and the Canaanites were in the land. Think about this. Abraham finally, finally, after all the delays, after all the years that pass, he finally gets to where he's supposed to be. And when he gets there, what does he find? There's the land. God, I'm here. But wait a minute, the land's occupied. How is this the land that you have for me? 
There's tons of people here. This isn't how I thought it was going to be. I thought I would come to the land that you were calling me to, and you would roll out the red carpet, and there would be vineyards that I didn't plant, and wells that I didn't dig, and the gates would fling open, and a booming voice from heaven would say, Abram, come into your new territory. Instead, he gets there, and he's like, God, I'm here, but the land's occupied. And the sinners that are here in Canaan are even worse than the Ur of the Chaldees I just left. What the heck? And the walk of faith is often filled with a few surprises that we didn't expect. God moves differently than we think he would, right? Uh, And look at this. He's saying, hey, I'm here. Look at verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants, I will give this land. Wow. Amazing. To your descendants, I will give this land. Uh, I love this. This is so cool to consider. Abraham is confused. He gets to the promised land where God called him to go. He thought it would be, you know, open for him. And it's full of uh, people, and God reaffirms the promise to Abraham. But note this, note this. God gives Abraham no proof of a title deed. God gives Abraham no written guarantee that he can take to the bank and say, this is my land. Abraham has nothing but God's word. We don't like being there, do we? Nothing but the promise of God's word. And notice what Abraham does. Verse 7, one more time. Abraham's confused. And then the Lord appears to Abraham and says, To your descendants, I will give this land. You're in the right spot. I'm going to keep my promise. And look what Abraham does. And there he, Abraham, builds an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the second time in scripture that the Lord appears to Abram. The first time was at the Ur of the Chaldees many years ago. The message, get out of the land, go to the land I will show you. Because of sin, there's a long delay in his life. He finally gets to the right place and guess who speaks to him again? The creator. And he says, Abram, you're in the right place and I will give you this land. A very interesting study, by the way, seven times God spoke to Abraham, seven times in his entire life. Each time, it's when when Abraham began to walk in what God was calling him to do previously. Uh, Interesting study, if you want to go study all the seven times. Uh, Verse 8, and he, Abram, moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. So right in between Bethel and Ai. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of Yahweh. Uh, Very important spot. Uh, Notice what happens. Uh, Now he comes down to the place where there's Bethel. Bethel means the house of God and Ai Ai was the spot where uh, centuries later, Joshua will come in uh, with Israel 
crossing over the Jordan, going through Jericho, uh, the walls of Jericho fall, and the first place they go into, into the promised land, is at Ai, a very significant spot. And God takes Abram to that spot where in generations to come, the nation Israel will come into the promised land and he takes him to that spot. It's right next to Jerusalem and he built, Abraham builds an altar there. Uh, we see a pattern of Abraham's life here. Abraham gets to where he is. God speaks to him and Abram worships. The first thing he does is he builds an altar. And this will be an important place in Israel's history. Uh, he calls on the name of the Lord there. <clears throat> um, how amazing. How amazing this is. I want to finish our time together. Um, we've only got a, a little bit of time left. Uh, I want to look at something. Uh, this walk of faith. Very, very fascinating. And we see now Abraham in the right spot. Now let's ask the question. What is God's plan in all this? What was God's plan? What was God's purpose? What was God's heart in making the Abrahamic covenant? What was God's purpose for making the Abrahamic covenant? Why did God do it? Well, let's take a step back now and let's look at the big picture of what we've been studying in Genesis. We read that in Genesis 6, by only six chapters into the book, that the whole earth was so wicked that man's every imagination of man's heart was wicked. And so God says, hey, I'm going to judge the wickedness on the earth. And anybody who wants to be saved can be saved. I'm going to make an ark, a picture of Jesus, right? And anybody who wants to come in can be saved from my judgment against sin. And how many people come in? Just Noah and his three boys and their wives, eight people in all. And all the world is judged because of sin. And now God repopulates the earth through these eight people. And now 300 years later, the earth is repopulating. And only 300 years later, we see all of the earth building a one world religious system that is against God, rebelling against God, only 300 years after the flood. And God had promised Noah, I'm not going to judge the earth again. And so what does God do? He keeps that promise, and instead of judging the earth, he confounds the languages. And the people scatter into their own tribes and repopulate the earth all over the face of the earth. But there's a problem. What's the problem? What were they worshiping at Babel? false gods and so guess what they go into all the world worshiping and that's why the king of Ur is building ziggurats to moon gods and that's why the Chinese are, are worshiping their god and the Hindus are worshiping their gods and all right because they all come out of Babel the mother of harlots the mother of abominations and they go all over and so here's what God does God says I'm going to make a covenant with one man and I'm going to redeem him. He's a pagan. He's one of these idol worshipers. But I'm going to show him who I am. And I'm going to pour my blessings upon him. And I am going to bless him. And I am going to give him favor. And he is going to learn how to have a relationship with me. And I am going to do a great work in his life. This is God's plan. Uh, this was his purpose 
for the Abrahamic covenant. And his purpose was really threefold. Uh, it was to make Israel God's own special people. I want to have a people that I have a... That's why I made man in the first place. And I'm going to do it through this one man. I'm going to make a nation out of him. And they will be my own special people. A peculiar treasure. A people that I draw unto myself. I will be their God. They shall be uh, my people. Uh, we're going to be in a relationship. We're going to do life together. I'm going to teach them my ways. I'm going to reveal to them all the things that are important to me. They're going to know my heart, and they're going to learn how to have a relationship with me. This was the purpose of the Abrahamic covenant, to make a, a people, a special people all to himself. Secondly, the purpose of the Abrahamic covenant was to reveal the one true living God to all the other nations. Israel was to, to live as a, it just in fellowship with God, walking in God's divine light so they could brightly shine God's truth to the rest of the world. They could brightly display God's love to the rest of the world. God wanted to woo all the other nations of the earth through the nation Israel. They would look at Israel and go, wow. These people have amazing laws. These people have amazing families. These people have amazing blessings. Uh, the Bible says in Deuteronomy that God did all this so that the other nations would say, who is this wise and understanding people that have God so near to them as this that they may call upon God for anything that they need? And that the other nations would see that and go, I want to know that God. That was his purpose, to reveal the one true God to all the other nations. The third purpose was to reveal Jesus, the Savior of mankind, and to bring his plan of salvation into the world so that God may complete his plan of salvation that he planned before the beginning of time that he might bring it into fruition through the nation Israel, that God would bring the Messiah who could save us from the the cruel bondage of sin. So this was God's plan uh, for the Abrahamic covenant. This was the purpose of it. And I want to close now with this. I want to look at the contents of the covenant. The contents of the covenant. Because the contents of the covenant are super important. Uh, the first uh, contents of the covenant, back in chapter 12, verse 1 uh, get out of your, your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. That's the first contents of the covenant, a permanent homeland, a promised land, a place where God's people will dwell. God says, I'm going to give you a homeland. We know now that homeland is called what? Israel. And there's a big struggle in the earth today over who that land belongs to. And let me just tell you, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe said, it belongs to Israel. I give it to them. And we're going to learn when we do the Abrahamic covenant part two, that this covenant for this land was forever. Uh, or if you ever watch Sandlot, forever, right? Uh, it's forever, right? This homeland, a permanent homeland, the nation Israel. The second promise is, is found in verse 2 also. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a, a homeland, and, and, and also 
I will make you a great nation. Uh, the promise of a great nation or a great people group. Uh, that is the Jews, right? Uh, and they are indeed a great nation. It is amazing to me to consider that this great nation Israel is still in existence today. And that even when they rejected the Messiah that God called them to bring to the world, and God scattered them over the face of the earth once again, that after 2000, nearly 2,000 years, in 1948, from 8070 to 1948, scattered all over the earth, and God brings them back into his homeland, they still have their original language, all their identity, all their culture, never happened in the history of the world, has a people group been scattered for even a hundred years and come back and kept their culture. And the Jews were scattered for nearly 2,000. And today they are still a nation, one of the most powerful nations on the earth. God keeps his promises. Just amazing to consider. A great nation, a great people. Uh, the third one, uh, found in uh, verse 2, uh, I, will, I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. This is a promise of personal blessing and greatness for Abraham and for the Jews. And you know what? God has kept this promise. They are the most blessed people group in the history of the world. Uh, they win more Nobel Peace Prizes uh, per capita by a long shot than any other people group. They make more advances in science, in technology, in agriculture, over and over and over. I mean, they are just, they are the most brilliant people on the face of the earth. It defies logic. You cannot explain it. It is because God keeps his promise to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. It's a covenant that cannot be broken. And uh, they're an amazing people, uh, personal blessing and greatness. By the way, uh, Abraham, was his name made great? Kind of, yeah. Uh, a great name in Christianity, a great name in Judaism, and a great name in Islam, the three largest religions in the world, his name is made great. God kept his promise. So interesting, by the way, as we looked at last week, in the Tower of Babel, they made their desire was to make a name great for themselves. And they became nothing. They came to nothing. Abraham just seeks, to, seeks God, and God makes his name great. This is the way to real greatness, just walking in a relationship with God. And God will do the elevating. He'll lift you up. Um, so amazing promises. Uh, the fourth blessing is divine protection. Uh, that's found in verse 3. Look what he says. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. This is a, a promise of divine protection against anti-Semitism. If you are a thinking human, you have to marvel at the mystery of anti-Semitism. It's been around from the day that God made this covenant with Abraham. Anti-Semitism has existed. And we can't, we can't squelch it. The reason? It's spiritual. God is trying to break the Abrahamic covenant. There's a spiritual force behind it. 
and God will not allow it to be broken. He says, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. A divine promise of protection against anti-Semitism. And you can look at world history if you're a student of world history and you can see God has kept his promise. The Spaniards, reduced. Germany, reduced. The Babylonians, reduced. The Assyrians, reduced. Those who support Israel, Lift it up. Uh, amazing. God keeps his promises. Uh, may the United States continue to support Israel. Uh, there was a Yelp review, just drives me nuts, a Yelp review on the mission church that said, I'm against Israel. Uh, I already tried to get it off. Can't get it off? Uh, I need you to flood Yelp, right? And I, what the heck? What the heck? Uh, uh, man, I am so pro-Israel, I can't even tell you. Why? Because it's God's heart. This is the covenant with Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, uh, curse those who curse you. Uh, the next one, uh, the last one, divine blessing on all the nations through Israel. Uh, look at this. This is in verse 3, the second half of verse 3. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be, what? Blessed. Blessed. In you, Israel, <clears throat> excuse me, in you, Abraham, in you, Israel, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham probably thought, how could that ever possibly be true? The answer, Jesus Christ. The Messiah that came through the lineage of Abraham, through the nation Israel. Uh, the Bible tells us very clearly, Galatians chapter 3 on your screens, last verse of the day. Uh, let me hear you read this. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. What's that? God preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to Abraham here in Genesis 12. Wow. In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So then those who are of faith, that's faith in Jesus Christ, are blessed with believing Abraham. In other words, we're adopted in to the family of God. Oh, how amazing. Just amazing. Um, God did all this. All of this has been fulfilled. Abraham didn't do it. God did it. Abraham just walked by faith. And may we do the same. You have no idea how big God's plans are for you. Abraham had no idea. And God's plans for you are so much bigger than you could ever ask, hope, dream, or imagine. And what you do now will be rewarded throughout all of eternity. And you will be given a ministry in the ages to come by your walk of faith today. May we be wise. And may we rest in God's provision. He will bring it all to pass. All we have to do is walk with him by faith. Shall we stand? You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.